Hey, Life Church. Roger here. I'm the student director, having a uh, different kind of podcast with you today. Uh, if you're if you're a new listener, uh, welcome. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Hope you enjoy what we're gonna do today. Uh, so today, one of the things we want to work on, and one of the things I care about, is making sure that uh, you guys know our pastors, know who they are, know a little bit about them, um, are familiar with them, and. Unfortunately, on a Sunday morning, we don't always have time uh, for you to sit down with each of our pastors and have a one-on-one conversation. So we thought that one of the ways we could do that, help you get to know them, is to do a podcast where we just sit down with our pastors and interview them and and hear a little bit about them. So we're going to do that today, and we're going to start a little bit of, you know, passing the torch, but we're going to start with Pastor Jared uh, as I kind of take over podcasting responsibilities for him. So uh, say hi. Hi. How are we doing, everybody? It's good to see you again. Or, well, I can't see you. Anyway. Nice. Such a such a habit. Right? Um, awesome. So we're just going to sit down. I have a couple questions to ask Pastor Jared. Uh, and then if you uh, if you guys have any other past, uh, questions, um, maybe throw them in the comments uh, when we post this. We'd love to hear what other questions you may have. Uh, but for now, we'll just work from these ones. Um, let's start pretty easy. Uh, so where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, at first in South Dakota. Okay. Um, and I was born and raised in Huron and then Redfield, very very small farming communities. Mm-hmm. And um, very early on, moved to Northwest Iowa, another small farming community. Okay. Um, I have three older sisters, mom and dad, and um, and that's that's gotcha. where I grew up. I mean, the, I I learned stuff. I thought I assumed you grew up in Iowa. I did. I mean, that was the most part. Like, Where, so like we moved there when there. I was in first grade. I think, oh, okay. And then graduated from high school there and then went to Iowa State University uh, for a little bit. Worked at a Bible camp in Northwest Iowa. Uh, so that's where a, a big mm. majority of my childhood was, yeah. Nice. So, so you're an only boy? Yeah, three, three older sisters. <laughs> What's so. that like? Uh, I, have I, mean, the opposite, I, I have the opposite family. We right. have one girl, all boy. Okay. I guess I have nothing else to compare it to because that was my experience. <laughs> but, um, you yeah, know, it was good. It, I, all four of us are very different from each other. Mm-hmm. And um, we all were raised very independently um, and kind of went off and did our own thing. Um, I watch my kids play together all the time. And maybe it has something to do with COVID, but, like, they are super connected mm-hmm. uh, me and my sisters we all kind of did our own thing um, yeah so is there a lot is a big age gaps or pretty close uh two it's uh my oldest sister is six years older than me okay and then the next one is four years older the next one is two years older so okay it's, a, it's almost like a perfect two-year gap between, yeah. between all of us so yeah yeah my brother and i are three but my sister and i are nine okay. so that gap is i think kind of challenging yes six is i would place that in that same kind of yeah time frame um, awesome. So, what about your family now? Um, married, children? Uh, my my immediate family. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I have a wife, uh, and we have <laughs> <laughs> we we actually knew each other in middle school and in high school. Um, That's awesome. And dated for a portion of high school later uh-huh. on. Uh, I took her to prom my junior <laughs> and senior years, and um, my senior year we started dating for a little bit, and then. Uh, went our separate ways actually mm-hmm. after after my senior year and into that summer uh, I was heading off to college she still had one year of high school and we were just kind of heading down different paths I guess and um, 
And so we mutually decided to end the relationship mm. at that point. Um, but we remained friends for a, a little bit for the next three years, but okay. with minimal contact. Yeah. And didn't really see each other at all for about three years. But then after three years, a mutual friend reconnected us. And uh, we just started talking again, hit it off like crazy. It was it was like we picked up right yeah. where we left off. And... Uh, and then very early on in that new second time around relationship, <laughs> try, yeah. um, I was like, this is who I'm supposed to marry. So um, That's awesome. So we got engaged in 2005. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2005. And then oh, this is recorded. Careful. I, I know. <laughs> I, that's why I'm trying to make sure my facts are accurate. Uh, married in 2006. And then we've been together ever since. And then... Um, Four years after we getting married, we had our first child, mm-hmm. uh, Jude, and he is now uh, 11. And then we had twin girls mm-hmm. about 22 months later, and they're nine. And um, it's an adventure. That's awesome. Yeah. We also have a dog named Tilly, oh. who's like 85 pounds. That's right. Yes. I've seen this dog. Her. It's a giant dog. She is giant. <laughs> yeah. But she's fun. Awesome. Um, got, I think I have an icebreaker. Oh no! We'll do no. We'll do the we'll we'll do (laughs) the pastor questions. Ah, sure. So, uh, Pastor Jared, what's your favorite scripture? Oh my gosh! (laughs) All of them. Just Um, (laughs) every single one. Man, that's tough. I man, that's it's really hard to nail down because it just depends on what season you're in and what Mm -hmm. we're talking about. But I think the one that gives me the most um, hope and encouragement usually is Philippians 1.6. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, obviously different translations, but um, Paul says, I am confident in this, or um, mm-hmm. I am sure that God who began a good work in you uh, will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- part of the reason that's one of my favorites is because it just gives me so much hope that no matter where I'm at, I always know, I always take comfort in the fact that I'm in process and in progress. Um, I'm a work in progress. And it gives me an assurance that I don't have to have it all figured out, Mm. that I don't have to be all cleaned up. Um, No matter how far along I feel like I am in my faith journey, there's still more that I'm growing in and understanding and learning and experiencing. And so um, that gives me hope. But also it gives me hope in the promise that there will be a day where there will be a completion mm. and that when Christ does come back and restores all of creation, I'm part of that creation. Mm. I'm included in that. Um, and and on the front end, it gives me hope that I didn't sort of muster up this work within me, that God actually mm. was the one that began the work in yeah. me. Um, and so, yeah, from, from beginning to middle to end, yeah, uh, that that's been the most encouraging verse to me. Yeah, I, I like the image uh, of the idea of like a completed work hmm. and how Jesus talks about when that's going to happen, how it's a banquet, right? It's a celebration, yeah. it's a party. It's like what you're saying, like it's progress, 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 and then one day it's going to be a celebration, a party, right? Uh, rejoice, right. and it's going to be over. <laughs> yeah, 
That's cool. Yep. I like that. That's a good one. Uh, and good segue, because the next question was, uh, how long have you been a Christian? When did you start following Christ? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in church all my life. We mm-hmm. went to a variety of different churches growing up. I, I, and when we were in South Dakota, we were at a congregational church, mm-hmm. um, which not a whole lot of people are familiar with, or yeah, uh, the denomination would be called the United Church of Christ. Um, oh, okay. I was doodling in the pews. So I, you know, did I that have anything to do with Church of Christ? Uh, so there's no okay I, that not that i know of um there's church of christ there's united church of christ there's church of god in christ uh <laughs> or sometimes referred to as kojic uh, yeah which is tends to be predominantly black churches um yeah i was just united church of christ mm. I was in first grade. I wouldn't have been able yeah. to articulate, well, you know, their denominational stands on this was, the, you know, I just, I was, like I said, I was doodling in the, in the pews while my mom was flicking the back of my ear, um, because I wasn't paying attention. And my dad was in the choir loft mm. looking at me like, are you pe- behaving? You know, that, that was the extent yeah. of my theological prowess at, uh, at first grade. So, um, then when we moved to Iowa, there's a big, um, and people who are from Western Michigan would be able to relate to this. A big reformed uh, group of people, Dutch yep. reformed. Um, I was RCA, um, which stands for Reformed Church of America. And um, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. I was, I was heavily involved in church at the time. Uh, but I think it became very real to me in about eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I went to um, a Bible camp in the summer. Uh, for several summers, but there was this one year where it finally just it, it just clicked. You know, there was just something different about my experience there. I um, I had a great counselor that week too, who mm. was just so friendly and such a good coach, and um, genuinely cared about us, our our group of guys in our in our cabin. And toward the end of that week, it just everything was just coming to a head where it just felt so real and so genuine to me. So um, I, I, the way I describe it is it just felt like this fire inside of me. And he's like, mm-hmm. Jared, that's, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. And, and man, let's talk about that. And we prayed and uh, tears came down my, yeah. my face. And uh, later that night, you know, we went to the campfire and there was camp songs and that we sang together. And um, it was just really special. Yeah. Obviously from that moment on, there were different iterations and evolutions, I guess, of, you know, my faith in, in moments where I made poor decisions and was like, yeah. I, you know, I'm clearly not keeping faith central to who I am. Um, and part of that is just my age, you know, mm-hmm. needing to grow and develop as a person. Um, but it just got that much stronger later on in my young adult age and then yeah. eventually deciding that God had a call in my life to be a pastor. So. Yeah. You're again with these segues. Uh, yeah. So, what was your first job and what was your first pastoral job? My first job? Yeah, your first job and then your first pastoral <laughs> job. Oh, so my very first job was working at Hy-Vee Food Store. Um, <laughs> it's a grocery store in, in Northwest Iowa, and uh, I bagged groceries, you know, okay. freezing cold or the. In the freezing cold? 
Yeah, like that, that's that's how I remember it. Like, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I was, I was like picturing you outside in the parking lot. No, I was. So so that's the thing. You beg the groceries. This is the way it is at High V anyway. Okay. You beg the groceries, but then you load up the cart for that person. Oh. And then gotcha. you take it outside, and they can drive up and get your groceries loaded into their car. Okay. I remember doing that mostly from the winter months, <laughs> and my yeah. hands just freezing, like you know, cheap little gloves. Uh, that just did not, yeah. you know, keep my fingers warm and didn't have. I must have had poor blood circulation or whatever. But how old were you for that job? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Um, did that for a while and uh, and then eventually moved up in, in and <laughs> got to go work in the deli, which is fun. There you go. Um, so that was my first job. The second, your yeah, your first pastoral first job. first pastoral job. Um, I guess it depends on how you define pastoral job. I was a camp counselor, but. I, you know, I didn't realize that I was wanting to be a pastor at that point yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually became a youth director. Became a little bit more formalized, I guess, in terms of that being a pastoral job. Uh, the church that I was at before coming here, uh, we we didn't have any formal ordination process, but mm-hmm. we did have a what we call the commissioning process. And so mm-hmm. in 2012, um, I had been on staff already for six years. Um, they just called it a coordinator role. It, it was yeah. pastoral in nature, but they just yep. the title was different. But by 2012, um, they invited me into the pastoral commissioning process, mm. and at that point, um, I became a pastor. And I was still in the student ministries area at that yeah. point, but um, but was called instead of being called the student ministry director, I was called the student ministries pastor. Yeah, and eventually kind of moved on from there too. So. Yeah. What do you? Uh, what do you think the, how do I phrase this? Uh, in what ways did you find youth ministry and camp ministry similar? In what ways did you find them different? Because I feel like that's a pretty regular career move is camp, yeah. camp minister to youth pastor. Yeah. Um, so similar. I think, so in camp ministry, um, you're, you're, you're there at, well, at least the camp that I was at. You're there for the summer, and you're getting a new batch of kids every every week, um, and then in the winter months, you're you're doing planning for the summer during the weeks. But then on the weekends, we had uh, like we would host weekend mm-hmm. retreats. But yeah. again, it was a new batch of kids yep. from whatever area of the state, um, different churches, all coming in, and um, so I guess it's similar in the fact that you're the style of ministry that you're doing is the same. The kinds of concepts that you're talking about with the kids are the same. The age group is the same. Um, the energy level, the kinds of events and activities yeah, you do, yeah. all of that's the same. I think what's the biggest difference is that camp ministry, um, you're, you're just constantly getting new batches of kids. You're never, you're never able to work sustainably mm-hmm. with just one group yeah. you know, for, for a, a greater length of time church ministry or, or youth ministry within the context of a church you get you get to be more involved in the students lives as well as in the parents lives yeah. um, you get to really build into a, a longer term relationship with the students and the volunteers uh, depending on what church you're in what size of church you're in that might determine what kind of role you were in so the first church job that I had was at a pretty large church and my relationship wasn't so much important with the students. It was, 
but it was actually more so with the volunteers. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot more time equipping volunteers and, um, and engaging with them. So um, I, I would say that's the biggest difference is just the, the nature of the relationship to the people you're ministering to. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I have never done camp ministry. So I was curious what it was like. Um, it's fun. It's, it's a unique... Uh, it has a unique place in the kingdom of God. I, um, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. you know, it's been a long time since I've been to a, a Bible camp. Yeah. And so I, I know, you know, especially with COVID, I imagine that many camps are trying to figure out what their model yeah. is going to look like and struggling. I feel really bad about that. Um, I, I think they do have a place, you know, yeah. and it's an important one. Um, but yeah, but I just yeah. I just haven't spent much time, you know, engaging with with camps yeah. as of late. So uh, I'd be curious to learn about how they're growing and learning yeah. in this process. Say from the ministry end, kind of have a like I love them, but they're also frustrating. Like I love them because it's a weekend where you remove, <clears throat> as far as going to like camp for a retreat, yeah. uh, where you remove distractions from students. You see them connect to God in super deep ways, mm-hmm. and there's just so much growth. Yeah, but then you come back, and a week later, <laughs> some of yeah. that growth seems to have evaporated. Um, so my challenge has always been: how do we connect the camp experience to their day to day lives and keep that growth sustained? Yeah, which is tough. It can be challenging. So, do you mind if I talk about this for a second? Yeah, go ahead. So, um, actually, when I was in student ministries at the at my previous church, um, we did use camp. We utilized camps. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a geographical location, you know, something that was apart from our church, something mm-hmm. that was, and you know, is traditionally more in nature. Yeah, you know, it was by a lake or in yep, the yep, woods yep. or something like that. So that that helped um, just visually uh, in terms of helping students disconnect to the everyday mm-hmm. and to the mundane or the monotony of whatever it is that they were engaged with, um, and just to to enjoy creation really. Um, but we we were able to sort of control the programming. Yes. Um, and it was with our kids. So it wasn't we were sending them off to some other camp and their program and just kind of letting them do their thing. It was it was good in that we were still able to, to build into, into yeah. the sustainability of the relationship. But then also one of the things that we started to notice too, just like what you're saying, is camp can be this really good positive high mountaintop experience and then you yeah. come back and it's just like all right we're back to normal mm-hmm. and nothing takes hold we were starting to notice that very early on too and tried to figure out okay so how how do we uh i, I don't like to use this word but leverage that yeah um leverage the mountaintop experience and and bring it bring whatever it is that they experienced into mm-hmm. the, the following excuse me, the following Wednesday or whatever yeah. is the next thing that they were, we were going to meet. So we just already pl- built that into yeah. what does the Wednesday look like after the, the retreat? What are we going to teach about on that Wednesday yeah. so that you could carry that momentum into it? And, um, and so that was just something that we thought about, yeah. you know, uh, because you don't, you, don't want, you don't want students to feel as though that's what the, the life of faith is supposed to look mm, like is yeah. living life on the mountain. Like, yeah, it's not true. <laughs> no, it's just it's just not. You you we we get one transfiguration story where Jesus takes a couple of disciples yeah. up on a mountaintop, 
and Peter wants to stay there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's put tents up and live here, you know? Uh, and then immediately goes down the mountain into the valley, and then he's got all kinds of sick people and demon-possessed people and weird people coming to him, and yeah. and it's right back in the valley, you know? Yeah. So I think we have to we have to build into, not just students, but adults, for understanding that a life with God is not lived on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. There are mountaintop experiences, yeah. but life is lived in the valley. Yeah, and, and I would argue... The most growth happens in the valley. Yeah. Um, the the more sustainable growth happens in the valley. Yeah. Because those are the lessons that um, tend to be very hard to lose. Right. Right. And to forget. Yep. So, okay, shifting gears a little bit. Okay. Uh, what do you do in your free time? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, just because of the pandemic, um, we spent a lot of time at home. Uh, spent a lot of time with the family, played mm-hmm. board games, uh, watch movies and documentaries and um the whole family watches documentaries <laughs> well yeah last <laughs> night last night we did there's a uh smith the smithsonian channel okay has a show called america in color they have um i, I don't know if they had to doctor these up or if if they just found this film but it's like all this movie film from like the 19 teens the 1920s and 30s mm-hmm that were all originally, you know, you could see those clips in black and white, yeah. but they've discovered them in color, or or like I said, they maybe they doctored them up in color. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it just, it makes it feel more real. Yeah. Because um, when you see them in black and white, I don't know, you see those old-timey yeah, yeah. films, and everything is like sped up, and it looks, I don't know why I'm, I'm motioning this, nobody's <laughs> going to see what I'm doing, but I'm like moving my hear, hands. They yeah. can hear your, yeah. your emotions. There you go. Um... It it looks it looks weird. It looks like it's like oh, it's not real, really real. It looks cartoonish. Yeah. But then you see it in color. You see it in kind of in real time, and it just it just feels different. It's like oh my gosh, yeah. that's that's really weird. And so, seeing really like intense moments in history in documentary form and color, mm-hmm. um, is is really fascinating to me. And so my kids started sitting with me and watching it with me and they're interested too. And they, they're that's like, awesome. wow, that's weird. That looks strange, you know? <laughs> and so we talk about that and there's some really profound things that they're pointing out in history too. Um, so that's what we do. Awesome. <laughs> we, 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 we play with our dog a lot, go on walks. Um, you know, if, it's, if there's a ton of snow, our kids, yeah. our kids love to play in the snow. They miss the snow in Minnesota. They're like, it yeah. never snows here in yeah. Michigan. Um, we have some years, but you haven't been here for any of them yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> feel like. no, I'm still waiting. Yeah. Uh, still waiting for those giant snows, snowfalls. <laughs> they, they just haven't come yet. So, I mean, Minnesota, you, you get, you know, a foot of snow yeah. and then it would stay there all winter long. So you just, you could play in it all, yeah. all year long. Here, it like evaporates within yeah. a couple days. So. Or it gets very dirty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, it also, like, when we're not in a pandemic, um, my wife and I, we like to uh, try new foods. And yep. um, and if we can, you know, go on a vacation somewhere just by ourselves mm, yeah. to recharge our batteries, to reconnect in our marriage. Yeah. That's really important to us. And uh, usually if we can, you know, find, a, like, a warm climate to go to, we'll, we'll try to yep. do that. But we're um, trying to be sensitive right now yes. and to where everybody's at. And we're we're getting creative and doing the best we can. So yeah, yeah, that's good. That's I mean a lot of those activities, uh, my family, Jasmine and I do during not COVID. So yeah, yeah, 
Those are good. All right. Uh, time for one of the classics. Okay. If you were trapped on a deserted island, what three <laughs> items would you take with you? <laughs> it just... It just takes me to an episode of The Office. <laughs> I've never seen The Office. Oh, okay. I'm not gonna lie, because An- Parks and Rec is better. Yeah, Angela, I think is she's the, she's the Christian character. Mm, yep, I've heard about her. The Bible. And they're like, <laughs> okay, and what else? Purpose driven life. Um, <laughs> uh, so the Bible and the purpose driven life would be my two options. No, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Um, what two items? I don't know. We'll I'm, say we'll say the Bible's a given. Okay, sounds good. No, I have it all in my head. It's, <laughs> it's, I've memorized it all, so I don't need to bring it. Again, this is recorded. That's yeah, a risky yeah, thing to no. say. Um, is there Wi-Fi uh, on this deserted island? No, there's not. Why would there be Wi-Fi I'm, on I'm a just, deserted hey, island? I want to. I'm trying to understand the context. No Wi-Fi. Here, so, all right, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm, not, I'm such a minimalist, Roger. I don't... Okay, one. If you had to pick one. Well, no. I just I don't want anything. <laughs> uh, a swimming suit. Okay. A grill. Maybe a grill. Smart. There you go. That would be smart. Um, and maybe some fishing pole contraption of some kind. Well, if you're going to take a grill, then your third one's got to be charcoal. I can use the wood. Oh, that's fair. If, there, if there's wood, that's I'm going to you know, burn that stuff. Um, that's pretty much all I need. Okay. I don't need that's a lot. Good. That's very... Says a lot about you. Does it? What does it say about me? <laughs> that you're practical and minimalist, which yes. I think anyone who spends a lot of time with you knows pretty quick. <laughs> I, that's good. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I could just sit there and hang out and play in the sand. Be fine. Yep. Uh, if you only could eat one food for the rest of your life, what Ooh. would it be? <laughs> so, <laughs> this one's harder. Well, no, because now, now you got me thinking about being on an island and having to you know, have a fishing pole. I, my wife and I love sushi. And okay, uh, so so fish, I like fish a lot. Yep, um, sushi's good too because there's lots of variety, so there it's is a bit of a loophole. <laughs> there, and, and then the, the just the taste of wasabi and ginger and soy, okay, and garlic. It, it I like ginger it. and soy is good. I wasabi, I'm not a fan of. It's okay, it'll come. It, it's just the experience, yes, like it's not a, it's not a pleasant experience. Oh, how dare you! Like you said, this is recorded. <laughs> Yeah, and, but I um, feel like I don't feel like that's a widely held opinion. You're offending people. No, um, no. I just I I think Japanese food is is yeah. always is always uh, one of my favorites. And and I never part of the reason why is not just the flavors, but I come away feeling uh, I don't feel full. Yeah. Like like ugh, I feel like man, that was now tr- that was good traditional like. Regular sushi? How do you feel about deep fried, like the more like deep fried rolls? Uh, no. No? No, I want it raw. Okay. Yeah. Nigiri is good. Yeah, nigiri so. is great. Yep. Awesome. Okay, I got, I end with two more serious ones. One okay. I told you about to give yeah. you time to think about, but yeah. the other one, uh, what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Oh, man. Gotta end with some good ones. Yeah, no, I'd, <laughs> um, you should have given me that one ahead of time, too. The best piece of advice... Just ever? Mm-hmm. Um, Very open-ended. Best kind of question. <laughs> I mean, even after I say this, I'm going to be like, I'll, I'll, I'll think of another thing. That like, oh, I should have said that, you know. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll give this one, because this is, this is the first one that comes to my mind. And it's, it's somebody that I talked to recently, actually. Mm. Uh, and it was in regards to leadership. Yep. And they said, 
their, their best piece of advice. Um, this was a person that was in leadership. Uh, it, it was a lead pastor of a, a large church mm. for 37 years mm. and very well respected. Um, not, not a celebrity by any means, you know, just humble. And he said, uh, sit loose in the saddle, <laughs> which is like, okay, I, I don't, you know, I don't ride horses or anything yeah. like that, but every metaphor breaks down. Exactly. <laughs> and it was this idea of, you know, if, if for whoever's listening, if you don't understand the context or don't ride horses either, <laughs> it's this idea that, you know, if you're riding a horse, you, 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 um, adjust your body in such a way and your posture on the horse to move in alignment with the movement of the horse. Mm. So whether the horse is going fast or slow or, um, you know, on a rocky path or a smooth path or up and down hills or whatever, mm-hmm. your body can't be so tensed up mm-hmm. that, uh, that you feel uh, I don't know, contorted or or misdirected from the, the direction that the horse is going into. So, so you adjust your body to the movement of the horse. Sit loose in the saddle. Um, I think for me, as a leader and as a, as a person of faith, things are constantly changing around us. And there's only so much that you can control. Um, and so I think to sit loose in the saddle as a leader requires a sense of humility um, and adaptability. Yeah. Um, to not get tense, to be patient, to not feel the tyranny of the urgent, mm. that I, I have to, you know, I have to address, I have to fix this right now. Um, but to, to be soft and moldable um, in our hearts and our minds, our souls, as we listen to the, the movements of the Holy Spirit and, and fall into alignment with that, um, yeah. both as followers of Jesus and as leaders, I that's think really good. Um, that's been helpful to me. Yeah. Slight addendum and a, uh, a bit selfish because I've only been married for two years. So yeah. I'm always looking for this. But yeah. uh, best piece of marriage advice? Um, be, be on the same team. Mm. Um, yeah. there, there's going to be hard moments, and I, I imagine you've already experienced hard moments. I know you have. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. Like, I think sometimes as Christians, maybe I don't this only, I only say this because this is a majority of my experience mm-hmm. is meeting with young uh, and old couples who are Christian, who the moment they encounter something hard in the first, you know, the early years of their marriage, yeah. their shame, like we're not supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. we're supposed to, you know, we're Christian. Yeah. And, um, and, and so I think it's, it's good of us to, um, well, set loose in the saddle <laughs> and to expect that there is going to be hardship and yeah. to not take on unnecessarily that shame that comes with that um, but to recognize how you respond to that is appropriate and recognize that you're on the same team like don't don't create enemies yeah. uh, with one another um, as, as, as best as you can yeah. and seek to be submissive to one another uh, to love one another, to assume the best of one another. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that requires a mindset that says, "Hey, we're on the same team here." Yeah, you know, regardless of whatever it is that the, the challenge that we're about to face or the challenge that we're already facing. Yeah, we have to be on the same team here. 
um, that's been that's been helpful for me to grow into. I don't do that perfectly, um, <laughs> as you might imagine, but it is it has been one of the more helpful pieces of advice that I've adopted. Yeah, that's really good. Give us a marriage counseling in our podcast. It's good. Yeah, I'm just see a little bit of everything. All right, <laughs> all right. So the last question. Um, this is what I'm going to be asking everyone as we sit down for these interviews. Yeah, the next couple of months. Uh, and I told you about this one ahead of time. Uh, but for our church, there, there's a lot coming up um, that we're excited about. Some we can talk about. Some we can't talk about yet. But there, yeah. there's a there's a lot that God is doing and is going to do ahead at Life Church Canton. So, yeah. my question for you is, uh, what are you most excited about for yeah. what's ahead for Life Church Canton? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I came here in June of 2019, mm-hmm. and it is now, as we sit here, January of 2022. So some time has passed. Um, obviously, a lot has taken place in 2019, 2020, yeah. 2021, um, all over the world, uh, but certainly in our community as well. The church that I got to meet and know uh, in 2019 is very different mm. than the church that I know now here in 2022. And I won't go into a, a ton of details of why that is, um, but it's smaller mm. it, than it, than when I first got here. And that could be discouraging. And I think, you know, you could have that conversation with pastors across um, the nation and, yeah. you know, across the world. Churches are shrinking, and there's a variety of reasons as to why that is. Um, I'm actually excited about that because the people who are committing to participating in the church, I want to be careful about the words that I'm using. I don't want to say who are going to church or coming to church as though church is this activity or this event that we come and be part of. It's It's a family that we are committing to for better or for worse. Um, and the, the church that we have now is, shows to be um, committed and invested into uh, being submitted to what God is doing, God's spirit mm-hmm. is, is doing and teaching us and leading us to. Um, and so I just sense that there is a, a great hunger in each of them, in many of them, to, to grow in discipleship, to grow in their understanding of what unity looks like and what it means to uh, to maintain it, mm-hmm. um, to maintain our unity in Christ. Having all different backgrounds represented, um, gender, ethnicity, age, um, life experience, all coming together around Christ mm-hmm. and then loving one another truly and genuinely and then moving forward in unity uh, to disciple others. Yeah. I, I think that is going to be a strength that we carry forward to a world who is looking at the church, maybe still, if, if we're being optimistic, to, to, and they're wondering, are you for real? Yeah. Uh, can I believe you? Do you actually care about me? Mm. Or am I just a project to you? Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think the outside world looking in is is waiting to see are we real authentic genuine followers of jesus do we actually care do we actually love um are we committed to what we're doing and and i i feel that we're in the beginning stages of building that foundation yeah that's what i'm excited about yeah i think we're all pretty excited about that yeah uh awesome 
thanks for sitting down. Yeah. Um, appreciate you taking the time and being willing to put uh, some stuff about yourself on the internet permanently. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's pretty boring. Uh, but it's good. No, it's been good. I uh, did a little bit of marriage counseling, a little bit of discussion about ministry, yeah. learned about you. is good. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if there, as always, if there is anything you are going through, you are experiencing that you need prayer for, um, this is a community that you belong to. We are here for you. So please let us know. Uh, you can fill out a connect card. You can reach out to uh, one of us directly. Um, but this community is here for you. So don't ever feel like you have to do this alone because you do not. Um, but we'll do this again soon. We'll bring in someone else uh, for you to meet and to get to know a little bit better. Uh, I'm excited about that. Let us know what you guys think about uh, this, uh, this podcast. And we will talk to you soon. Have a good, great week. Come on, say bye. Bye. <laughs>